When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity and we go beyond the to-do list. We don't just talk about productivity in the way that you're used to thinking about it, hearing about it, not just time and tasks and calendars and checklists, but how that really applies to life and how these other so-called fringe topics can help you get the most out of your time and attention and awareness and all these good, wonderful topics that we've got here. So I'm excited to let you know that this week I'm talking to none other than Andy Andrews. If you've listened to my Robert D. Smith episode, then you know that he is the manager for Andy Andrews. And so it was a thrill to be able to talk to Andy Andrews, especially about his new book that he has coming out on October 1st called The Noticer Returns. We're going to talk about perspective. And Andy was generous enough to send me a signed copy to give away to the audience. To enter to win, all you need to do is go to the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 48. There's an embedded tweet there that all you need to do is retweet it and then go down to the comments section of the show notes and leave a comment of what your biggest takeaway for this episode was. I will pick one winner at random before releasing the next episode of this podcast next week. One more item of business Many of you have been asking how you can support the show. Well, there's one thing that you can do that takes almost no time, but does a tremendous amount of difference is to nominate this show and all the other shows from the noodle.mx podcast network to the podcast awards. For those of you that helped out last year, thank you so much for nominating and voting for noodle.mx network podcast awards with your help, the network had several shows that were finalists in many categories and even won an award. We would be honored to have your help again. The Podcasting Awards nominations open on October 1st and go through October 15th. You can only submit your nominations once, so gather them all together and then go over to podcastawards.com. You'll see a list of the categories available for nominations. Fill in the name and podcast URL for each podcast you want to nominate in its respective category. So, for example, for People's Choice, please enter Beyond the To-Do List with the web address beyondthetodolist.com. For Best Produced, please enter once-once-upon-a-time-podcast with the URL oncepodcast.com. For Business, please enter Beyond the To-Do List with the address beyondthetodolist.com. For comedy, enter the ramen noodle hyphen clean comedy podcast with the URL cleancomedypodcast.com. 
for education, please enter The Sci-Fi Show with the URL scifishow.com. And that's S-C-I-P-H-I in both the URL and the name. For entertainment, please enter once-once-upon-a-time-podcast, again with the URL oncepodcast.com. For religion inspiration, please enter are you just watching? question mark with the URL areyoujustwatching.com. And for technology, please enter the audacity to podcast with the URL theaudacitytopodcast.com. So again, those are some suggestions of other noodle.mx shows that you can nominate for those specific and strategic categories. Again, for this podcast, it would be great if you would nominate it beyond the to-do list and the URL beyond the to-do list.com for people's choice and business categories, respectively. To review any of these instructions, please go to beyondthetodolist.com slash podcast awards. And thanks again for nominating this show and the other noodle.mx podcasts in the podcast awards. It does a great amount of help to increase the visibility of this show and other shows like it on the noodle.mx network. Well, this week, it is my privilege to talk with comedian, speaker, and author Andy Andrews. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. How are you? Boy, I am doing well. Comedian, speaker, Arthur, that really does sound like I don't know what I do, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like you know what you want to do. You want to do everything, I guess. Well, that's the truth. Well, I'm so, glad to be here with you. I am just – honestly, you were on my list, and so I'm just glad that we're getting the opportunity to talk about this. I'm actually – and I'm actually really, really glad you're coming out with a new book called The Noticer Returns. Yeah, I'm, I am more excited about this one than anything I've ever done. I think it's just going to have more value for people than anything I've done. And, you know, it's kind of a continuation of a character that I, I've had before, who is the noticer. There's an old man named Jones, not Mr. Jones, just Jones. And he, he always says, you know, when, when God was passing out talents, I didn't get the cool ones. I can't run fast. I can't sing great. But I notice little things that make a big difference in people's lives. And then they think that pretty much boils down to one word, doesn't it? Perspective. Yeah. He was always big on this. You know, and when I say he was always, people go, no, did you know this? And yeah, I really did. I, you know, if you read the noticer, the very first chapter of that is true. My parents died when I was 19. My mom of cancer, my dad was killed in a car accident, and I made a bunch of bad decisions and after several years, was literally homeless before that was even a word. You know, uh, 30-something years ago, nobody talked about homeless people. That wasn't a term anybody used. But I was uh, sleeping under a pier on the Gulf Coast. And that was where this old guy found me. And he did talk about perspective all the time, you know, a perspective, a different way of seeing things. And he would say that perspective is more important than answers. He said, because, you know, sometimes answers are a matter of timing. And if you shove a square peg into that round hole, you know, you'll get something, but it won't be the best. It won't be the perfect uh, situation. And he said, so perspective you know he said when you have when even in a in a crazy situation perspective brings calm and calm leads to clear thinking clear thinking yields ideas and from ideas we get answers oh that's great yeah that's one of the things i was going to ask you was you know not to shatter the illusion or give away any of the magic or you know but that this is the the first one and and as well this one are kind of 
semi-fictional stories. And in a way that only fictional stories can, you can dig deeper to the truth by asking those pointed questions and yeah. and yeah, t- telling it in a narrative, right? Yeah, they're definitely stories. You know, I, Eric, I always tell everybody, I, I say, you know, they make the smart authors write the nonfiction books. People like me write stories. And, and I think part of it is because I really connect with stories. You know, I, I think I would have liked history in school if I'd ever had a teacher who had said, okay, close your book. So forget history today. Today, I'm going to tell you a story. I, I, you know, I, I think I would have probably connected there. And so what I do is I think that everybody has a story, and some people have stories that are particularly great. And this old man, he is something else. And so after 30 years, I ran into him again. And so, you know, each book really kind of stands on its own. You don't have to read the first one to get the notice of returns. Uh, I think the publisher is just tying them together with that title. But, but the notice of returns, it is the best stuff I've ever been able to do. And the story is very cool about how, you know, I found him and he was actually teaching a parenting class to two people. And knowing how much this old guy had changed my life, we immediately, my wife and I immediately thought, okay, we're in this parenting class and ended up being a parenting class of seven people and it has changed our life. And so this is the story of the notice of returns. He always seemed to be around when when somebody was having a challenge or somebody needed something and and so in this book, you know, he deals with a, a lady whose mother uh, is in the throes of Alzheimer's. And uh, he deals with a, another guy whose wife is dying. And uh, he also deals with some people. This was very curious to me. And I really got it detailed in this book. He deals with people who are having a hard time with uh, employment. And he says, you know, don't worry about getting a job. Just create your own business. And, of course, they, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the help. <laughs> and, and he says, look, it, it's the easiest thing if you know what to do. He said, you can create a business of your own out of nothing with very little investment that will be successful quickly. And I am shocked, and it's detailed in the book. But he did it with several people. I have since taken it to several people that I knew. And I mean, not only have they created successful businesses and totally different kinds of businesses, not only have they created successful businesses of their own, uh, several of them already have employees. And so it it's shocking to see. But this old man uh, has a totally different way of looking at things. And I have come to believe that we in our society have an amazing ability to think logically to the wrong conclusion. Oh, yeah, that's powerful there to, to think about that. And that's the hinge, I guess, is, is about perspective is, you know, you and I could both look at the same scenario or circumstances, but by looking at it differently, it suddenly becomes a whole new thing. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. 
In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and I'm intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. Right. I mean, it literally becomes a new thing. And so it it is a, a key to learn how to do that, learn how to get perspective, because, you know, perspective can be the difference in a, a great life and a not so great life. And perspective can be the difference in making money and not making money. Perspective can be the difference in a marriage and divorce. It can be the difference in a, a calm family and a family that's always under stress. And so it's a huge thing. You know, I was, uh, the other night I, I sat down with Urban Meyer up uh, after a, I was up, up there and went, uh, you know, Ohio State football team has used my books before. And so I sat down with him and that was a big part of our conversation was about how to create proper thinking around perspective because you know so many people talk about choices choices and that that is important that we make good choices but to tell a kid or expect an employee or expect yourself to make good choices especially the way we tell kids you know we say hey make good choices now we're going to make good choices today did you make good choices and you know that's like telling a kid to take a quarter go out in the backyard and flip heads every time did you flip heads every time? You didn't? Are you going to flip heads every time tomorrow? I mean, it, you know, yeah. if, if the kid has no idea what constitutes the basis of a good choice, I, I mean, you can't pull them out of the air. I mean, it's like flipping a coin. And so what is below a choice, what is below the decisions that governs every single one we make, it's our thinking. Every single choice, every single decision you make is totally governed by how you think, what you think, what you think about, how much you think about it, what you choose not to think about. All that goes into the perspective you have over situations and how you think, your thinking, totally governs your choices. And so you can do something about your thinking, you know, and and that is done by what you read. It's done by what you listen to, what you watch. You know, I, I beg people, please turn your TVs off if you're not watching something specifically. Now, I'm not saying, you know, turn them off forever. I'm just saying make sure you are watching something specifically because you'd be shocked at what goes into your mind that you never really intend to be there. Forget the minds of your children. 
but to be very intentional about your thinking and how you are shaping your thinking so that your choices can be of the highest quality. You know, we could spend all day sitting around singing television show theme songs and commercial jingles, and yet there's not anybody that I know of anyway, certainly nobody, and neither you, Eric, or me, or anybody listening to us ever probably sat down in front of a television set with a pad and a pen and said, okay, I'm going to learn the words to this stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we just know it. We don't know why we know the Brady Bunch theme and we don't we don't know why we can whistle the Andy Griffith theme and we don't know why we can still sing Three's Company. The thing's been off the air 25 years, but boy, we can do it. And if something's going to be in there anyway, well, why not choose what goes in? Yeah, it's that repetition and our attention. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of which uh, of things that you read and have read. I love the part – thinking back to the, the, the noticer, the, the first one, I guess. This is the best way to refer to it at this point. Right, right. When Jones starts having you read all these biographies, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, you know, I was always – just like I said a few minutes ago, I was always kind of a – I was a Sports Illustrated guy. I was never really a reader, and, and I, I know now how important reading is to shaping our thinking. And not being a reader, I was a little bit uh, like, you know, I was rolling my eyes without trying to physically do it when Jones handed me three biographies. And I knew they were biographies because uh, one of them right on the front said Winston Churchill, the other one George Washington Carver, and the other one Will Rogers. And I said to him, I said, biographies? Because I didn't know what else to say. And he said, no, adventure stories. These are mysteries and romances and thrillers. That one there, that's a spy story. It's a shoot 'em up And he said, and they're, and they're all true. Well, I, I was like, no, oh, okay. And he said, yeah, they're from the library. When you get through with them, take them back. But I, I read, I started Winston Churchill because I, I liked Jones. And I wanted to be able to say when he said, have you read the books? I wanted to be able to say, well, I, I've, I've already started, I'm, you know, but I got hooked on it. I was kind of shocked because as I read, I, you know, Winston meets Clementine. And I was going, oh, well, there's the romance. And, and uh, you know, then there's uh, some stuff going on before the war started. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of a mystery. And then World War II started and he's sending the spies out. And I'm like, wow, this is a thriller. And, you know, this is very cool. And then they're trying to capture and kill Winston Churchill. And I was like, no, there's the shoot 'em up part. And I was very aware that I was – uh, thinking that because Jones has had said it, but I was also aware that I was still thinking it, and that my whole perception had shifted, my perspective had shifted about uh, what I was reading, and so I got hooked on those books. And o- over the next several years, I I ended up reading over two hundred biographies of these happy, influential, financially secure, great people. And and my questions became, how did they turn out like this? Is it something they did or is it something that they became? I mean, if if they were born this way, I knew I was out of luck. But if it was something they did, what did they do? And how long did it take them to do it? And I identified seven things, you know, these seven principles that these people built their lives around. And those became the seven principles in a book I wrote, The Traveler's Gift. And and they became the seven decisions that that I I had a, a two hour PBS special and 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 yet all those came from that old man and you know Jones and his perspective 
about those books. And I think it's a it's a good thing to note that the Traveler's Gift, your first book, is actually ninety nine cents right now on Amazon Kindle. Yeah. And everybody that hasn't gotten that yet, or even if you have, just grab it, gift it, actually, for that matter, to somebody. And even the noticer is uh, two ninety nine right now. I'll put the uh, links to those in the show notes. But yeah, what what is it about those biographies that were so powerful, especially in regards to perspective? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that hit me right off the bat is that everybody had horrific problems. You know, they all had issues. They all had crazy people in their family. They all had had made bad choices. They all had uh, circumstances come up and bite them. And, and in fact, even though the narrative was different, their lives all seemed a lot like mine. At that time, I just knew that most of the people I was reading about, they were dead. They'd already lived their life. We had already seen the beginning. We had seen the troubles. And we had seen the end result. And I was reading it all. And so I became aware that that I was in the middle of my story, so to speak. And so this was the trouble part. You know, my perspective became, okay, this is just part of that journey. And, you know, so I began to kind of concentrate on what they learned from some of the issues they had, some of the troubles they had. And those became some of the things that I learned and then became some of the things I used to get myself out of that situation. Yeah, some people say, I've heard somebody say this recently, and I can't attribute it correctly, but uh, if somebody knows, let me know. Uh, they say, you know, people often say experience is the best teacher, and some, then, then, then the quote goes, but they're wrong because somebody else's experience is the best teacher. If you don't have to go through it and you can learn from somebody else, then that's much better. Yeah, that was Jones in, in The Notice. There you go. And uh, always a different way of looking at it. I love it. And the thing is, is that it's not just uh, your example, but also the examples that you give, which may tend more towards the fictional side of things, which are so much easier to, you know, if it was a lecture, some people would get it. But because it's a story of Jones's interaction with all these other people, everybody can kind of identify Right, where you have people come up to you and say, you know, in the notice of the, you know, Jones talks to, um, you know, Walker or the 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 couple, the married couple at the diner, and and the different scenarios, and they they all identify with where they're at. I mean, for me specifically, it was Walker with his, you know, problem with worrying and how how you outline fighting logic in that one. Right. You know, I right. love I loved that. I loved that. I was like, oh my gosh, that hit me so impactful. So. But you had people coming up to you and saying stuff like that, you know, after the noticer was, hey, I just, I love the the idea that this when he meets with this person or that person. And so that kind of shaped the way you walked into writing this next book when you met him again, right? Yeah, because I wanted to find, you know, specific value for some of the biggest issues in our society. And, uh, you know, the four biggest issues that I kind of identified that Jones deals with in this book, the four biggest issues is, is, uh, you know, one is, um, or I guess really the three bi- biggest issues and two of them handle this. One would be loss. Uh, you know, we, as people, have a real problem with loss when somebody dies or, or when they have Alzheimer's. And it's like we've lost them and they're still sitting there. And so it's a real issue that, that Jones was able to pres- you know, to put a lot of perspective in on that. And it really is just people who have read the book, 
you know, already are just, you know, really enjoying that part or really it's enlightening their thinking there. And then another issue that people have challenges with is, is money, employment, you know, uh, jobs, business, or if, if you have a business, being able to compete and, and top the competition every time. Jones teaches all that in this book. And then the other one is parenting. You know, I really believe that parenting is the fulcrum our society rests upon. If you look at uh, that greatest generation 70 years ago and you say, wow, that's the greatest we ever were, well, their parents were responsible for that. It was their parents who were responsible for how they turned out. And whatever it was, you, you know, you look and go, what in the world? How, what standard did all those parents across the board raise kids by at that point to raise children who became adults that we look back 70 years and still say that's the best we ever were? And then what standards are people using today to create whatever you think is happening today? But parenting is the fulcrum upon which society rests. You know, I, I work with a bunch of uh, very high-level coaches, uh, you know, football and basketball coaches and some baseball stuff. I, I work with corporations, and I am more than ever convinced, and these CEOs and these coaches are too, that the CEOs and these coaches, while they're dealing with adults, the principles they're using and the things that they are uh, using to deal with situations, they are parenting is what they're doing just at a very high adult level because over and over again, I see the disasters I see, the times I see somebody, they're having to get rid of this person from the business or the team because they treated a client this way or they said this and, and everybody's looking at it like this is an adult issue and no, it's not an adult issue. An adult did it. But it's an issue that should have been handled when the guy was eight. Yeah, man. I love that you're talking on all those aspects. I mean, that's something I've had some loss recently. I am a parent to two kids and money and employment that not necessarily employment. I have a good job, but uh, right, money right. itself, just, you know, struggling with that and, and making ends meet. Like those are things that are just what made you think about those being – was it just the the current climate? I know you don't love like politically correctness, but like what made you think to try and have Jones focus in on those issues for this book? You know, really, I knew in that first book he had handled things that that people, like you say, would come up to me and say, man, that particular part of that, you know, I bought 10 of those books because I have friends and they're all dealing with that particular – and so I thought, okay, well, what is it now? I mean, what now? I found this guy. What can I have him handle? Man, you just walk around outside, Eric. I mean, see what you know what you just said that you know you're a parent. You know, financial issues are always in the forefront of many of our minds. You know, you just dealt with a loss. Well, with this book, the notice of returns. It's for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, even even if one of those things were in your thought processes right now, this book would be huge for you. But I think this book is going to tag a ton of people right where they live and will really help. One quick thing. I do write stories and I hear a lot of people, you know, for, for years I would hear people say, I only read nonfiction. You know, there's a lot of business people say, I only read nonfiction. I ain't got time for fiction. And so, you know, my books are stories 
with principles in them. And so people kind of say, well, you know, it's kind of a combination of fiction and nonfiction. In fact, when The Traveler's Gift came out, uh, it was on the New York Times bestsellers list in their fiction category. And at the same time, it was on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list in nonfiction. And so a little explanation of why I do this specifically is because people who say they do not read fiction need to rethink that decision. And the reason is because you can gather knowledge. You can gather all the knowledge you want. But wisdom is a little more ethereal. It's a little more hard to define. And wisdom is definitely on another side of the issue of knowledge, right? I mean, knowledge, you can teach any 12-year-old to drive a car. I mean, any 12-year-old has the mental and physical ability to learn how to drive a car. Now, you're not going to flip them the car keys and say, have a great weekend, because they haven't got the wisdom to apply that knowledge in a consistent manner and in a proper context. And so wisdom is a different thing. While nonfiction books feed knowledge, fiction fires the imagination. Fiction fires context. In a fiction or a, a story, a story gets your imagination going. You imagine the situation, the place, how they talk, how they look. And so when you grab knowledge that is in a story, you're faster to the point of being able to apply it in a way that will literally change your life. And I think by you doing that kind of a hybrid of fiction and nonfiction in here, you're able to take that theoretical and that, that wisdom and people are able to consume it and then ponder it, but then also take it down to a practical level. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love that. I just love that. And and so since I, my show usually deals a lot more on the practical side, I'd love to ask you two questions real quick that have right. to do with that. One is the standard question I ask everybody, which is, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? Early. I get up, and before I do my email, before I check my messages, before I see any news, before I do anything, I will get up, and I will be quiet. You know, I read uh, some out of Proverbs. I read some out of Psalms. Because there's two guys writing who are incredibly effective, right? Solomon and David. And then I, I have a like a devotion I read, and I'm very quiet. And then I'll go and write. Now, this is my ideal world, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'll go write because I can really dig in early with that process, and I can really be productive. But if I get up and I check a couple emails or look at the news or uh, if I, I do that, my mind is crowded. My thinking is broader. And since my thinking determines my choices, when I sit down to write, when I sit down to accomplish what I do, I want my thinking to be narrowly focused at that moment and yet broad enough to fire my imagination so that I can get what I want done. But if I wait until the boys get up or my wife gets up and, you know, there's the pounding feet and, you know, it, then it's just a different thing. So that's my, that's my best way. 
Great. And I think you partially are answering my second question, which kind of has to do with an old question about a year ago. Somebody wrote in on your podcast, The Andy Andrews Show, and I think it was a single mother asking, well, I've got this book project or this project. I can't remember exactly what it was. I really want to work on it, but I don't want to give up quality time with my boys. And what would you say to somebody who's hung up on you know, time management but has something they're wanting to work on and they keep saying, well, I only have so many hours in the day? Right. Well, you do have to prioritize and your family should be your priority. But you also have to understand that if you are a person who not only you have to make a living, but you also aspire to make a better living for your family, then if the way you are going to make a better living for your family has to do with something, and it usually has to do with something that we do outside our traditional work. I mean, before you're a New York Times bestselling author, you've probably got a job. I mean, you know, Tom Clancy was an insurance executive. John Grisham was an attorney. And they didn't quit and then write. They wrote during their regular time. And so what I'm saying is if your family is your true priority and you aspire to make a better living for them, well, then at some points, because your family is your priority, you have to take some of that time and write or invent or create or consult or whatever it is that you're you're wanting to do. You can't make a full retreat from your family. You, you know, you you have to take pieces of time. And I would urge you to get your family, get your kids involved in that advance in in what you're doing. Okay, you know, we, you know how we have this up on the refrigerator. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be. Okay, well, um, I'm going to go do this, and and I, you know, I tell my kids, all right, now look. I always want, I'm just telling you now, I don't care if you're 18, I don't care if you're 40, when I come home from a trip, I really want my boys to get up and say, Daddy! And so, you know, they're 14, they're 11 now, and they're still doing that. I come home and they get up off the couch and they go, Daddy, hey! And they come hug me and we laugh. And so there are also times that my boys know I'm working. And so while they're playing... I'm working, and and I make sure that when we have rewards from that work, hey, you know how we're here at this place, and we're getting to hang out by the pool? Uh, Isn't it cool that we took the time to work when we were home, you know, even though you guys did this, and I had to go in the office? Well, now look what we get to do because we did that. And that still all comes back to perspective. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, Andy, it has been awesome to talk with you. I encourage everybody to go grab a copy of The Noticer Returns. And like I said, The Noticer, the original book, is out there for two ninety nine on Kindle, and The Traveler's Gift is only $0.99. Cents. You can't afford not to get that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eric, thank you so much, buddy. I had a great time. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Thanks again to Andy Andrews for talking with me about perspective. Make sure to go pick up The Noticer Returns. And make sure to go to beyondthetodolist.com slash 48. Find the embedded tweet there, retweet it, and then go to the comments section and leave us your comment about what your biggest takeaway was for this episode. And I will pick one random person who does both those things to receive a signed copy of The Noticer Returns. And again, don't forget to go to podcastawards.com and submit Beyond the To-Do List for the People's Choice and Business categories. And don't forget to go to beyondthetodolist.com slash podcast awards 
to get the instructions on how to nominate Noodle.mx Network shows. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over the TV shows Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.